Hello and welcome to the Monroe Nutrition Clancast. My name is Jason Monroe and this is episode 15. Now, it's been a minute. Um, lots of things happening, lots of things on, uh, lots of illness. I have had a terrible cough. So when did I do the last episode of this? The 1st of June it says here. So that's like four, five, six, seven weeks now. Um, and it will not go away. And I'm thinking it's potentially the lasting effects of COVID back in February because the one thing I was left, left with was a very annoying tickly cough. And it is just going on and on. It went away for a bit. Now it's back again. So if you do hear me sipping on my Pepsi Max during this, I do apologise, but I would rather that than coughing down your ear holes. Now... What are we going to talk about today? Because I have had lots of suggestions. Um, I was just reading through the group there to see what suggestions were made over the weekend. And there was one that was kind of related to... So I I did a live chat last week. Don't ask me what about, because I can't remember what the title... I remember what it was about. Oh, yeah, it was to do with um, when should you eat fast and when should you eat when you're not hungry because believe it or not there is actually occasions to do both of these things but we'll save that for another day but one of the things we did kind of dip into was you know because it was on the top of of eating fast I shared a bit about my childhood and some of the habits I developed growing up and I think that'll be a cool one to talk about today because someone did suggest, Melanie did suggest, um, on the back of this week's live chat and some of the comments made, how about one covering how the way in which our parents had rules around food and mealtimes can unhelpfully affect our behaviours and thoughts as we become adults. Now, this is obviously not just linked to Eating habits, you know, everything. If you think of it, right, when we're born, we are a blank canvas. A completely blank canvas. Everything that we are ever going to learn or understand about the world is going to be given to us by other people. We'll we'll figure some stuff out on our own. We'll we'll, we'll realise that you know, these fingers are for chewing and, you know, we can chew these toes and if I do this and move my hand around, I can see it moving. We we figure a lot of things out for ourselves as babies. But when it comes to, you know, later on progressing in later life, everything is taught to us. Um, the things that we're exposed to at playgroups, nursery, our environment at home, the things that we watch on the TV or YouTube nowadays. Um which my kids watch a lot of. Steve and Maggie. I shudder just thinking about Steve and Maggie. I went through it all with Jacob and now we're going through it all again with Kerr. But yeah, everything is taught to us. So everything that you know and understand about the world comes from people that you just assume know everything. Now, my kind of background is, so... 
I, I was never overweight as a child. Um, if I look back through some school pictures, there's the usual, like, baby tubby face, you know, like, you put a bit of weight on, then you stretch out, put a bit of weight on, stretch out. I went through those phases, but I was never overweight. I was a super active kid. I had a super active childhood. My mum and dad still say, stay in the same house I grew up in. Um, and it backs onto a big field, basically, with lots of trees, lots of bushes, lots of fun stuff to do. Um, if I wasn't climbing trees, I was building dens or tree houses or tree swings or when they installed Virgin Media. Or in fact, no, it wasn't Virgin Media, was it? It was um, Telewest at the time, cable TV. I remember stealing big, massive drums of ropes, rope from the installation guys. And there was loads of trees out the back and we made this like treetop rope trail thing. But yeah, anyway, that was all the kind of stuff I got up to. I, if I wasn't in the house playing the computer because the weather was crap, I was away. And we used to walk miles. We used to cycle for miles. We used to roller skate for miles. My God, I roller skated from my house to Wallace's Monument near Stirling. I wonder how many miles that is. I'm going to Google it while I'm here. Stenhouse Muir to Wallace's Monument. 12 miles. So I roller skated 12, 24 miles because we roller skated there and back. Plus, we roller skated to the top of Wallace's Monument just so we could go down the hill really fast. That was the whole point of roller skating there. Anyway, point was I was a super active kid. Meals were... Uh, for me, eating meal times, or, or what, at least the way I think of it now, maybe I felt differently at the time, but my when I reflect on my childhood, uh, meal times were an inconvenience in between playtimes. Like you, you know that when your mum had to come out the back garden and shout your name a dozen times to come home for your dinner. And your dinner was cold. Meal time, meal times weren't really at the top of your priority list. So meal times were an inconvenience between playtimes. That you know you had to do it, otherwise you got a sore tummy. Um, and yeah, and that, that that's kind of part of the reason that I ate very quickly. So. I am the eldest of three. We would, my mum and dad would sit in the living room with our dinners on their laps, three kids in the kitchen. And it was very much, you know, the reward environment. So the first thing's first, you will not get any sweets unless, unless you have finished all your dinner, eaten all your vegetables, cleared your plate, whatever the rule might be. So very early on, there's that reward mentality getting instilled in us. Now, I mean, not everyone goes through this. My kids absolutely do not. Um, they have the benefit of having a nutritionist for a dad who specialises in helping people improve their relationships with food. So hopefully they're, they're going to avoid all the stuff that most people go through. But you can see how the reward mentality gets, you know... Uh, put on us at a very early age in order for you to earn this 
you must first of all do this. If you don't eat this, you won't get any sweets. If you don't do this, you won't get any crisps. If you're not a good boy, then you won't get this. If you're a bad boy, then you, you know, when it comes to having a good relationship with food, and you'll hear me talking about this all the time, I've probably said it in most episodes so far, we are trying to reach a point where we give ourselves unconditional permission to eat. Now, that you've maybe heard that phrase getting used a lot, maybe don't entirely understand it, you know, it's just words, but unconditional, meaning no conditions attached. So, conditional permission is, um, I can't have a takeaway tonight unless I've been to the gym. I can't have a takeaway tonight until I've done my 10k steps. That's conditional permission. You are creating conditions where you have to meet a certain criteria in order to be able to make a decision, particularly uh, particularly around food. That's conditional permission. Now, rewind back to 1990. You won't get this unless you do this conditional permission being ingrained in us from a very early age but not just that also the food reward mentality if you are a good boy or girl sorry when I say boy I'm thinking (laughs) I'm thinking of things that I was told when I was younger if you if you're good if you behave then you'll get this if we can go to the shops and you don't embarrass me which I often did if we go to the shops and you don't embarrass me then you'll get a magazine or whatever, a sweetie. So from a very early age, we have these things being taught to us that food is a reward. Food is something that needs to be earned. Certain foods, particularly the ones that people might call junk or rubbish or crap or unhealthy, are treats only to be had at a specific time, only to be have, only to be had once a, a specific Uh, set of conditions have been met. So, I mean, hopefully that's been a bit enlightening already to see, like, the way that you think and feel and act around certain foods just now can be traced all the way back to a very early age. Now, you can, I can also combine that with my eating habits. So, I am and can be a very fast eater. If left unchecked, I would eat very quickly. Now, that is something that I had to work on uh, in terms of learning to eat more mindfully, to slow down, to take breaks. I think we've probably come getting deja vu. We've probably done this in an episode already. Um, but those these are things that I had to learn. Because, like I said, eating was an inconvenience. Not only that, also, if you think about this, the portion sizes that are put down to you, right? Now, we all have different needs, different energy needs. We all need different quantities of food. This is like, oh man, I could go off on a tangent on this one. This is what blows my mind in restaurants. And this is why people need to be better educated. So, okay, so we'll go, we'll go off on this one, okay? Now, there's a big deal at the moment about um, calories being on rest- uh, menus and restaurants, which I agree with. However, 
I think it should very much be the case that you are offered two menus. You should have the choice. Would you like a menu with the nutritional information or not? Easy, easily solved, right? It's solved instantly rather than ruining some people's diet, you know, some people's um, eating out experience. Give them the option. But instead, it's being forced to be on all menus. And, you know, also there's the kind of, you can go down the route of people with eating disorders that may potentially be triggered by it as well, um, which is unfair. So, yeah, we should have the option of two different menus. But anyway, uh, there's a big deal being made about this. And, you know, I've had it in the group a few times, a, a couple of people having and it's it's been a positive thing, thing for them but a couple of people very much being woken up to the fact that restaurant or pub meals in this instance can be ridiculously excessive in calories so this particular meal I'm thinking of this person goes to her local pub and has uh what do you call that a bar lunch that's what I'm thinking of I'm trying to think of the term a bar lunch or a pub dinner whatever and she was bowled over to discover that the turkey roast dinner that she picked on a Sunday contained 2,500 calories. Now, that's just fucking outrageous for a meal, for a single meal. If you, and I had this conversation with her where if you just look at the overall general guidelines that the NHS provides, now the, you, know, you can take these with a grain of salt because... It's such a wide spectrum, but these are the average. On average, females need around 2,000 calories a day. Now, that's honestly, you cannot just apply that to the entire population, but let's just use their guidelines and apply it to this situation. 2,000 calories per day. And here is a pub offering a single meal that they have decided is a reasonable portion size for a, a person to have for their dinner. Um, and I think men, I think men are like two, four or two, five calories per day. I can't remember exactly. And yet here is this single meal with more than the entire daily energy requirements of a female and as much as a male needs. So the bigger question here is, you know, why are we creating meals that are astronomically high in calories rather than, you know, why are we getting upset about calories being on menus when we should be asking the question, why are you making these meals so ridiculously high? Why are you (laughs) deep frying everything in fat and drizzling everything with, you know, wherever all these calories are coming from? Is it really necessary for these to be this high? That's the real question. But yeah, this is the thing that blows my mind. So in restaurants, take a look around. Every single person, you know, the the six foot five guy who works on a building site and is burning 4,000 calories a day, the four foot 11, is that a thing? Four foot 11? The four foot 10? No, 11 is a thing. There's... 12 inches in a foot, right? The 4 foot 11 female who works at a desk, has a sedentary job, who's burning uh, 1,800 calories a day. Doesn't matter who they are, what they do, everybody in that restaurant 
that orders the same meal gets the exact same size of portion. So using this example, the 1800 calories a day female gets the 2500 calorie turkey dinner and is consuming way more than she needs. Plus there's drinks on top of that. Maybe they have a dessert. Probably don't finish the entire dinner, but it's still an excessively high number of calories. As for six foot five building site guy over here burning 4,000 calories a day, it's a perfectly reasonable dinner for him. And that's when, this is the point where education is so important and also the habits that we have to bring it back to the topic. So if you were someone who was brought up uh, with conditional permission, you must finish this in order to achieve this treat, this dessert, this whatever it is, ice cream, whatever. If you're brought up with that mentality, then you're going into these restaurant situations and you're bringing a history of clearing every plate. You have to clear the plate so you can earn the dessert. You have to, and this was the other thing I was going to say that, you know, I, I've quickly discovered I wonder how many people can relate to this one. I quickly discovered that if I ate quick enough, I could clear any plate of food, regardless of how hungry I was, regardless of the size of the meal. I I quickly learned that if I eat this really fast, I can trick, you know, I can beat my body. I can beat my brain. My brain will not know that I am full by the time all of this is inside of me. And then once it does all finally hit my stomach, I'll feel like a bag of shit. But... I can get it in there and then we can get the ice cream, the chocolate, the sweets, whatever it is. Fun fact, um, my dad had to put a lock, a padlock, an actual padlock, like one you would put on a gate, a hasp and clasp maybe it's called, the one, the flat bit that falls over and then the padlock goes through the little loop. There was one of those in my kitchen on the little narrow cupboard that had all that stuff in it because we would raid it for snacks. Uh, but yeah, I discovered that if I ate if I ate fast enough, I could get it all in and clear my plate. So at a very early, very early age, I was taught that certain foods were things that had to be earned through either finishing off meals or good behavior or whatever else it was, that... I mean, think of... Think of social situations where you're with people with kids, right? And even like grandparents do it. Maybe even you do it. And your your kids will turn around and say, have I eaten enough? Have I had enough, mum? And it's a bit, you know, have I eaten enough, dad? And it's a tricky thing because we have to be very conscious of the language that we use. Oh, you've done really well. Wow, look how much you've had. Praising them for the amount of food that they've eaten isn't a great thing to do. Because we're creating this idea that the emptier a plate is, the better they've been, the 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 more happy they've made you. And remember, our kids are out to impress and gain our approval at every opportunity. All they want to do is make us happy and impress us and make us proud of them. And when you are using terms like, oh, wow, you've done really well. Look how great you've done with your dinner. Look how much you've had. 
what what seem like simple, innocent terms are creating this long-term picture, this this long-term idea that this is good, you know, and, and that's something that will stay with them for the rest of their lives, like it did with me. Fuck me, honestly. When I think of the the things in my early twenties, when I think of the takeaways I used to have, how fast I used to eat them to get them down. Honestly, I could not eat like that now. But anyway, so I said earlier, you can relate to this. So I was going to say that I quickly discovered that if I eat, if I would, if I could eat a meal in a certain way, combined with eating it quickly, I would get it down no problem. So here's an example. Let's say I had a cheeseburger, chips and beans. Now, at the time, I would have eaten the thing that I enjoyed the least. So the one that tasted... I don't know, the least, what's what's the term I want to use? The one that didn't taste the best. Let's do it that way. So that would have been probably the chips, I would say, because I liked beans. The cheeseburger was the the top thing, right? I called this, well, in our family, actually, because I did it and my brother did it. We called it the saving the best till last technique. Because when you sat down to have your dinner, you were hungry. So hunger carried you through the first stage of your dinner. So you would eat all of the chips first because those are the kind of boring, mundane things. There's not much excitement. Yes, chips are great, especially with salt, vinegar and tomato sauce, but gets a bit boring, gets a bit repetitive. But you're hungry and hunger carries you through the boring, repetitive stage. Then go to the beans. Beans slightly better or more enjoyable for me at the time than chips. So you're starting to get full, but you're enjoying the taste. So a combination of, yes, you're still a bit hungry, but you're also enjoying the taste of it, and that carries you through. Then you get to part three. You are starting to feel full. You're not hungry. The hunger is gone. You're not quite at the point of being stuffed. Um, But it's a cheeseburger. Fuck me, it's a cheeseburger, your favourite food. It does not matter how hungry or how full you are. You will eat this, or I will eat this. I'm talking about myself here. Um, And that is how I would clear a plate. I would eat every last bite of that burger, because again, cheeseburger. And then I'd sit back and go, look at me, mum. Aren't you proud of me? Look at how well I've done. I have cleared my dinner. Oh my goodness. Look how well you've done. You've done so well. What a great job. You know, and positive reinforcement of emptying a plate. No no thought of whether or not I was absolutely stuffed. No thought of, you know, did I actually need all of that food? It was very much a case of, this is what you have been made. This is what has been put down to you. This is what you will eat, boy. My mum didn't talk to me like that, but um, I don't know why I did that. This is what you will eat. And if you don't, then... Not only have you overeaten for your dinner, here's another pile of stuff for you to eat. Here's some sweets, here's some crisps, here's some, not crisps, here's some sweets, chocolate or ice cream. And that's going on top of a meal that you did not need all of. So yeah, you'll find that a lot of the things that you do today come from those early days. 
um, know what can you do about it? Well, I suppose I can talk about what I did for me. It's the number one thing for me. I'll tell you another thing, actually. So my next door neighbor, who still lives next door to my mum, was a great friend to all of us growing up. I spent a lot of time with him. Um, and sometimes we would like sit and he's, you know, his ki- like the, our kitchens were at the back doors. The back doors were straight together. Both families' back doors were always open. Um, and we were always in each other's gardens and stuff like that. So sometimes I would eat lunch with him. And it was always like a packet of not pasta and sauce because that didn't exist back then. But it was like Lidl's version of it. Remember when Lidl opened for the first time over here and everything was like peanuts, 6p for a tin of beans, 13p for two litres of juice, 20p for a packet of this pasta stuff. And anyway, we would sit and eat it. Now, I would sit there and destroy mine in true, this is how you eat fashion. And I always used to think, his name's Albert, I always used to think Albert was a weirdo because he would pick up his fork, take a mouthful, put his fork down and then he would sit back and cross his legs and clasp his hand around his knee and he would chew his food and he would, he would stare into space and he would look in one direction and look in another direction and then he would take a sip of water and then he would swallow and then he would drift off for a minute and then he would pick up his fork and take another bite and do you know what, like at the time I thought that was so bloody strange do you know what it was like? When you were a kid, you had like, all you knew was how people ate in your house. That's, that was your like, that was your benchmark by how you measured everything else. And then like, you would get invited to people's houses for dinner. And I can remember going to a friend's house and being like, oh my God, what is this? You know, (laughs) they were well to do, big long dining table, whole family sitting the food was very much different to the way that we ate. Um, and it was a, a completely different experience. So you're, you're, all you have to base things and compare things to is um, you, how you do things in your house. So for me to be in that situation with him and see how someone else approached eating, you know, I thought that was very strange. And it's not until now that I can look back, I can, I can see that he was doing everything that I now try to teach people to do, but also do myself slowing down when I'm eating being the number one thing giving my body and my brain a chance to actually process the last mouthful you know imagine like there's there's someone with a clipboard imagine your stomach's like a big swimming pool right and there's this guy with a hard hat on and a high vis and he's walking around the pool with a clipboard and there's like a big um pipe above the pool and like every mouthful you have stuff drops in the pool and the guy's like taking samples and checking the level seeing what the content is of the meal doing some sums and then he puts his stuff into the computer that signal goes to the brain and the brain's like yeah we're not full yet we can take some more and while that's going on you're just shoveling it in so we often eat you know, our, our body has, I think we've probably spoken about this before, but our body has these built-in internal mechanisms that are designed to help us achieve something called homeostasis or balance. And most of the troubles that we run into with our health, with our weight, with our energy levels, etc., comes from us overriding these systems. 
Oh, you're starting to feel full. You should stop eating. Nah, I'm going to keep going. Oh, you're tired. You should probably go to bed. Nah, I'm going to put the next episode of Netflix on. Oh, you're dehydrated. You have a drink. Nah, I'm just going to have some coffee. Um, We override these systems and that leads to a lot of problems. But when it comes to eating, you need to give your body a chance to actually take the time to, I don't want to say digest because that's, it's the right word, but it's the wrong word because it is digestion. But you want to give your body time to actually process what's happening. You need to give these mouthfuls of food time to be chewed, um, to go through mastication. That's a, honestly, people think that moist is a horrible word. Mastication is worse. People just don't know what it is. Um, it means chewing, by the way, mastication. <laughs> Disgusting word. Yeah, we need to give our body time to catch up with what's actually happened so that it can then send the signal to the brain and say, do you know what, that's us, we're starting to feel full, tell them to slow down or even just to start kind of winding down a bit and stop. Um, but when you eat very quickly, you don't give these signals a chance. So you're eating, you're eating, you're eating and you're going from just being someone that was hungry to being full. If you are jumping from that place to that place, not instantly, there's a period of time in between, but if you go from not really noticing much to being stuffed, you're eating too quickly. So yeah, now I adopt all of the habits that he did back then, all of those habits that I thought were strange. Now, an important thing for us in our house is that we all sit down to eat together. Um, My wife, I, my two sons, and the dog, the dog eats at the same time as well. Uh, but the important thing is that we all sit down together. And and it's a, it's a great chance for everybody to catch up, to talk about their day, to get, you know, something out of the kids that isn't <laughs> Switch related or YouTube related or TV, I watched this, I did this related. A good chance to have good conversations about school and all that kind of thing. But it's great because it's 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 instilling the habits in them of eating something and then stopping and putting your fork down and chatting and answering a question and answering a question back. You know, and my son's very good at this. My young, sorry, they're both sons, but my eldest son, I should have said, is very good at this. His eating is just, I honestly could not be happier with it. How he is just now is is a way that will serve him in the future and I'm over the moon with it my three year old on the other hand we've got some work to do but Jacob 7 cares 3 coming up for 4 in October so we've got plenty of time to work on him but they understand that you know like Jacob went to school one day and came home now he knows what I do for a job and he came home and, you know, like I said earlier on, kids are always out to impress you and seek your approval and make you proud of them. He is very much like this with me. Um, my wife notices it more than I do and makes sure she tells me because sometimes I don't pick up on it. So he came home proud as punch one day because of an activity he'd been doing at school. Guess what I learned today, Dad? We were learning which foods are healthy and unhealthy. You know, and I just tried to keep my face frozen and not cringe. Because um, I'm like, fuck it. You know, and this is how children start to have the relationships with food ruined. Now, he was telling me this. This was probably a year and a bit ago. So he was probably six at the time. 
being taught that some foods are healthy and some foods are unhealthy, which we've already covered countless times now, is nonsense. Lettuce is allegedly a healthy food. What happens if you eat nothing but lettuce? You die a long, slow, horrible, awful death. Healthy foods aren't a thing. Neither are unhealthy foods. There are certainly healthy and unhealthy combinations of foods, healthy and unhealthy diets. But no single food determines that. Anyway, so yeah, he came home proud as punch. And, you know, I asked him about the exercise. He says, well, there was there was um, two baskets and we all got, there was foods. I think they all got handed a food, you know, like a, a paper cutout. And they had to go up and put one in the healthy pile and the unhealthy pile. You know, and then the teachers on Twitter, today we were learning about healthy and unhealthy foods. And you know, she showed like all the foods that were laid out, all the unhealthy foods, pizza, cheeseburger, whatever else, crisps, all the usual culprits. And yet, and this is the thing that blows my fucking mind, that, so when they get the school dinners, my wife does, she goes into the app and it's like, right, Monday to Friday, Monday, here are the options. And she'll read them out and they'll say that, 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 whatever. And then one day he likes to have a packed lunch with his friends. But all of the unhealthy foods on that list featured on the menu. So how can you how can you sit in a classroom and teach a child that a pizza, that pizza is unhealthy, that cheeseburgers are unhealthy, and then have a have a parent sit down at home and say, right, Monday, do you want a pizza? Um spaghetti or sandwich? Pizza. It's just fucking mental. <laughs> and you know how confusing must that be for a six-year-old kid. But wait a minute. Missy Smith said that pizza's unhealthy and we put it on the unhealthy list. Maybe I shouldn't eat that. It's awful. Anyway, I've really I've, I lost track of that tangent there. But um, <laughs> however I got onto that one. Oh, yeah, I was talking about us all sitting around the table and learning things. But, yeah, the, the way that we approach mealtimes now... Um, the two of them slow down. My three-year-old used to eat very quickly. He slowed right down. Um, we no longer have questions like, have I eaten enough? Have I done well? Those are gone. Those are eradicated because I have conversations with them about them. You know, remember, it's not about doing that. It's, you know, and I suppose I should just tell you how I do it. So when we talk about the healthy and unhealthy foods with my kids, we talk about Most of the time foods and some of the time foods. Now, the most of the time foods are the ones that your body needs more than the other ones because it gets all of the the essential things that your body needs to remain healthy. So that is the usual things, right? Protein sources, fruits, vegetables, etc. The some of the time foods are the ones that our bodies don't need but we still want to have because they taste nice. Now, they don't do much for us nutritionally, but they're really great. We enjoy having them. They taste brilliant. Those are the some of the time foods. And it's such a great approach because it is not setting. You know, I don't even like the whole five a day thing. Setting exact, specific 
numbers, specific labels, healthy, unhealthy. Here are foods that will support your health. Eat these most of the time. Here are other foods that don't support your physical health as much, but they may support other facets of your health. Plus, they just taste nice and we like having them. Have those some of the time. There is no exact numbers. There are no exact splits. 80-20 is the one that gets thrown around a lot. But moving beyond that and just doing the helpful things most of the time and doing the less helpful some of the time, that's enough. It removes any kind of perfectionist mentality. It removes any opportunities for failure or doing things wrong or not doing things the right way. It's a much more helpful approach. So that's part one of that. The other part is explaining to them about portion sizes and understanding portion sizes. So I have put down a dinner to you that I think might be enough for your tummy. However, I'm not always going to get that right. I do not know exactly how much food you need to have right now. But your body will tell you when it's had enough. So, eat your dinner. Once you start, once you are starting to feel full, that's when it's time to stop. So my kids never clear their plate, ever. Remember, this is a big one. Not eating food on a plate is not a waste. If that's something that you ever say, or not just to your kids, but to yourself, you need to get rid of that one. Think of it this way, okay? The food that you consume is the energy that your body runs on, okay? The calories contained within the food that you consume, that's what fuels your body. That is your body's fuel source. Now, by not eating... Now, uh, most people listening to this are probably <clears throat> probably have issues with their weight, probably yo-yo dieting, probably right now have weight to lose, or potentially you're just listening to these because it's helping you build a, a maintenance mindset. If you are overweight and or gaining weight then it's because you are, are wasting energy. And this is when it can be helpful to switch over to the food is fuel mentality, right? If, you have a, if you're eating your dinner and you are full, you don't need any more, your body is literally telling you you've had enough and you choose to override that because you have this idea that if you don't eat that last piece of whatever or those last half a dozen chips, you are wasting food. When the reality is, you're wasting energy. If you eat that food that your body's already told you that you don't need, and you're not going to use it, then you're just creating another kind of waste. You're creating a waste of energy because those half a dozen chips that are going to contribute to your total number of calories. You're going to burn 2,000 calories, but you're eating 2,300. That extra is now going to be stored on and around your body to then be used at a later date. The thing is, you don't get round to using it. You just put more and more on top of it, or it just stays there for years sometimes. It's wild to think that. 
some of the body fat you are carrying right now is the result of choices that you made years ago. Think about that. Back in 2018, you went out for a big dinner over a weekend. You consumed, you know, food and drinks, a couple of thousand calories more than you needed. And those went to become body fat on your body. And then after that, you continued to kind of gain weight. You know, that dinner back in 2018 is still attached to your body somewhere. I think that's wild. But the point is, the body fat that you are carrying is the result of choices that you have made that have been in excess to what you've needed. So if you think you are wasting food, you're not wasting food. If you consume food that you think is going to waste, what you're doing is you are creating another type of waste, wasted energy. Not only that, by energy I mean wasted consumed energy, but not only that, you then need, you well, if you're someone that yo-yo diets, you will then spend time, energy and money in the future getting rid of the outcome of that decision. Get into the habit of putting food in the bucket. You are not a food bin. Your food bin is a food bin. Your food bin can't gain weight. You can. Eating things just because it's going off or, um, yeah, it's going out of date. If you open the cupboard, oh, look at them, they're going off tomorrow. I better eat them. Why? Why, Why should you eat them? If you're unhappy that you've left something in the cupboard long enough to go out of date, stop buying so much. The solution to these habits is not to eat the things. The solution is to put it in the bucket and then take a look at your shopping habits. Do you know what? Maybe I won't buy those things next time. Maybe that was too much. I'll do better next time. Eating it isn't the solution. Eating it just creates another problem. So, yeah, food waste is not what you think it is. And if you are getting to, you know, if if you do implement this, right, let's say that from today, after you've listened to this, you start leaving food, you start slowing down when you're eating, putting your knife and fork down, having conversations, taking sips of water, you actually tune into what you're eating, you're not eating with distractions, the TV's off, the radio's off, Alexa's off, and you're actually connecting to the food that you're eating, and you get to, you know, like, there's like a fifth of the plate left, but your body is saying, we're done. You should be done too. And you actually listen to it and put that in the bucket and then do it again and do it again. Now, if you find that you are consistently doing that, then to reduce food waste in the future, start reducing your portion sizes. If you know that you are creating meals that are too big, if you're creating meals that are more than you need, the solution isn't to keep finishing them, is to make a change to the amount of food that you're putting down for yourself. And th- this is why this is why I think the, the restaurant thing's wild, because every single meal that comes out that kitchen, you know, if everybody orders the fish and chips, everybody gets the fish and chips. The exact same. It, the, you know, people talk about, oh yeah, go here, you get massive portions. Go there, you get massive portions. You don't want massive portions. 
restaurants are not responsible for the quantity of food that you choose to eat. They just put the plate down in front of you. It's then up to you how much of that you do or don't eat. But when you come from a childhood where you were encouraged to eat quickly, you were encouraged to clear your plate, you were encouraged not to waste food, you were praised for how much you ate and all the rest of it, then you're going to want to eat that. Also, if you're someone that you think, you know, you have the mentality, well, I've paid for it, so I'm eating it. All of these unhelpful habits, behaviours and mindsets are contributing to the reason that you are sitting here or walking, if you're out and about, listening to this podcast, listening to the podcast from a guy who's known for helping people lose weight in the long term. And if that's something you are trying to do, if you're trying to make your weight a non-issue in the future, if you're trying to break free from the yo-yo dieting that you've been doing for more years than you want to even think about, then you're going to have to start letting go of some of these things that you've learned and replace them with more helpful habits. So, yes, our childhoods have a lot to answer for. Our parents have a lot to answer for. They are not nutritionists. They are not dietitians. They did not or do not know any more or less about eating than you do. They did not know what they, what their words, what their actions were going to do later on in life. But now you do. And if you have kids, then you can start implementing this straight away with your kids. And it doesn't have to be made a big deal of, but just have some conversations with them. Like the things I've mentioned in this, like the conversations I've had with my kids, you know, Jacob knows now, like he came home another day after that talking about healthy and unhealthy. And I went to say, now you know, he went, yep, I know dad, don't worry. I know. Because <laughs> I've explained like your teacher's teaching you everything and she's not an expert on this thing. Um, she's just teaching you what she she thinks she's meant to teach you kind of thing um, but here's the right way on that particular thing so he knows now and he could bloody start teaching people better eating habits than they've got or than their parents are teaching them but yeah anyway um, I hope that has been helpful I am going to have to open windows now because it is I don't know what it is Today is Monday the 18th of July, which is one of the two alleged heatwave days that we're going to have. My phone says it's 26 degrees just now, and I had to shut my windows and door in my office to obviously improve the sound for this. I now need to open those, because I don't want to cook. Uh, so yeah, I hope that's been helpful. And, you know, like everything, it can all be changed. Everything can be changed. Like your childhood is not your identity forever. Yes, it was unhelpful at the time. Um, and yes, it's not really serving you at the moment. But as adults, we absolutely have the power to start replacing these habits, these mindsets, these ingrained behaviours over time, but with time and effort in the right places. It's, it's a, as ever, it's always a complex thing. Like your weight is not just something that you need to go into a calorie deficit to improve. There are countless other things attached to it. Like, you know, we've went deep on childhood. Your childhood, the behaviors that you've learned might be one thing. 
your relationship with food might be another. The diets that you've been exposed to in the past and all the bullshit that they filled your head with might be another. Your emotional attachment to certain foods would be another thing. You know, people just put a kind of blanket term on their eating habits and say, oh, my eating habits are terrible. And it's, that's, it's not the case at all. It's far more complex than people think. Just because you're doing, just because you're doing one thing doesn't mean that everything you're doing is terrible. You know, if you, you, you generalize, I'm trying to think of the best way to explain this. You generalize by saying, I have terrible eating habits. Now, if you came to me and I had you explain everything to me, I would be like, right, there are eight different separate areas here that we can work on. They're all interlinked, which is why I'm saying it's complex because one thing might affect another, the other thing might affect something else or two other things. So I might, you know, you, you've generalized it and I might break it down and say, right, here are the eight separate individual things that we need to work on that will all link together to help you create what, what it is you're trying to create. Um, so None of this is anything that can't be overcome with time, effort, support, guidance, all in the right places. And if you would like my help with that, then you already know what to do. MonroeMethod.com. Um, if I can help, I will. I'm going to, I'll be getting a couple more of these out pretty quickly. I'm off on holiday next week, so... There'll be a couple of quick ones following this up. I will, I do have a list of topics actually to talk about. This actually extended pretty long considering the one thing we've spoken about, but I hope it's been helpful. And as ever, send me a DM, send me an email. So Monroe underscore nutrition is my Instagram. Jason at MonroeNutrition.com is my email get in touch, ask me questions, or even if you just want to let me know if this has been useful or helpful in any way, that, that I'd get a good kick out of that. So yeah, see you next time.